This episode is brought to you by La Quinta by Wyndham. Your work can take you all over the place, like Texas. You've never been, but it's going to be great because you're staying at La Quinta by Wyndham. Their free bright side breakfast will give you energy for the day ahead. And after, you can unwind using their free high-speed Wi-Fi. Tonight, La Quinta. Tomorrow, you shine. Book your stay today at LQ.com. Hey everybody, this is Phil Town. And this is Danielle Town. Welcome to the Invested Podcast, where we are just unpeeling the Warren Buffett, Charlie Munger onion of how to invest properly. Absolutely. How to invest properly. And we have a really interesting thing that's happened in the markets since we talked to you last. Yeah. Uh, to Netflix. Right? Apropos of our conversation a couple of episodes ago, recently. Uh, where we, we've been talking about inflation-proof companies, what companies would do well in a recession environment, what companies would do well in an inflationary environment, what companies would do well in a combined environment. And, uh, and we've been going through kind of a list that you had from CNN. Um, and we also talked a good amount about Netflix. And then, lo and behold, they announce... Uh, a massive loss of, of subscribers and their stock dropped 20%. Well, so dropped massively. Yes, indeed. Um, I so find went, this quite intriguing. Naturally. It is intriguing. And I think and it, for it, any vet long-term value investor, this is quite intriguing because if you're somebody who loves Netflix, thinks it's a fantastic inflation proof company, this could be a great opportunity. If you're somebody who thinks Netflix has no moat and has been spending money hand over fist on ridiculous projects, then this could be a reset for the company that you're enjoying watching from afar. <laughs> so this is going to be really interesting. Uh, I mean, Reed Hastings is the CEO of Netflix and really the guru of, of, uh, of streaming, of the streaming industry, right? Having really invented mm. it. And um, back when he first started going, he was competing against HBO. He was competing against Hulu. He's been in competition with companies from sort of day one over the last 12 years or so as they came out of kind of the DVD rental world into streaming. And, um, and Reed basically says that his moat is evangelistic subscribers mm. who love Netflix so much that they just tell everybody to go get on Netflix. And for that reason, Netflix, because they have, if that, if this is true, right, um, they have been able to have pricing power way above what their competition is pricing things at. Um, so much so, it's almost really, really unusual, uh, right? It'd be like Mercedes-Benz is so much better than uh, a Mercedes-Benz top-of-the-line SUV is so much better than a Cadillac top-of-the-line SUV that they can charge twice as much for it. Oh, wait a second. They do. Huh. How about that? Hmm. <laughs> they I'm actually running do. through my anecdotal list in my head of what various services cost. Well, I mean, to put these some numbers is it on really this, double? I don't think so. Disney is at about seven bucks and yeah. Netflix is at 15. And Disney has now gone to an advertising model where they will give you the Disney 
channel for free if you don't mind watching your ads, which of course makes me nuts. I don't know what they're going to do about ads, but I certainly don't want ads and I'm willing to pay my $15 a month to not have them. Um, so that's the first level of question. Do, do these evangelistic subscribers still exist? Or now with the advent of Prime through Amazon with unlimited money and Disney with unlimited money and Apple with unlimited money, put a real big bridge across that moat. And Hulu. First question. And Discovery Plus and Peacock and whatever CBS and ABC are probably creating or have created and HiU for international stuff and BBC iPlayer and, 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 and. There are so many services now. I mean, I know every time I don't need to say, everybody knows it feels like the old days of paying 120 bucks for your cable every month and being annoyed as hell about it. And it's like, we're suddenly coming back to that. But now well, it is, with it is a little bit like different bills that show yeah, up. Yeah, but it's Apple a little pay. bit like looking at a refrigerator in a in a fast foods place, and you see Coca Cola and blah 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 blah. You know, you just all these choices or, or that you could choose from. You know, but there's going to be one that you prefer, and that's that's how I see Netflix. And by the way, they're just a, arriving at profitability and at a kind of a critical mass in the streaming industry is really important. You have to get enough people to subscribe to you that you can afford to compete on programming. Exactly. It's all about programming. Netflix has literally twice as many people as the next, the next biggest competitor. Um, and all the rest of those competitors are sort of grouping around 100 million subscribers. That's Amazon, Disney. Disney spent $170 billion getting up to 100 million subscribers. Um, compared to the 20 billion that Netflix spent to improve its category or its programming last year. And um, HBO plus is just combining with discovery. So they're going to get to a hundred billion. It, it's a brutal, brutal attempt to get to enough subscribers. And Netflix is so far out ahead of everybody um, that it's, it, it is a question that, that they seems like they have a big moat. Okay. So they've got this big brand moat. So that's the first First issue is, is it is it good enough to sustain? And our view of this thing has been that they you're going to have more than one streaming channel. I mean, you're going to have our, That's your view. Our yeah, view like my view. view, our view, the mouse in my pocket and me, my analysts. Mm -hmm. um, we see that people buy three or four of these things, right? So for Netflix to sustain itself into the future, it just needs to be one of those three and four, and it almost certainly is. And the reason it almost certainly is, is not anymore just because they were first, although it certainly have a big brand, but because they have the best programming going on, arguably. They had way more Academy Award nominations, way more award nominations for their programming than anybody else, almost than everybody else total. So um, what happens with that is a couple of really interesting things. Number one, that if I'm a creative person producer or actor <clears throat> and I'm going to produce programming for a streaming channel. I want to, I want it seen by a lot of people because I want awards. I want to be able to be paid more money. I want people to see my work more. Most importantly, I want people to see my work if I'm already really successful. Absolutely. Yeah. And 220 million subscribers says quite a lot. Right. And so the real creative 
people are predominantly going to Netflix because they've got this huge uh, existing subscriber pool. And, and because they're so creative, they're creating better programming. And because they're creating better programming, the subscriber pool needs to be on Netflix and it gets bigger. <clears throat> that's the argument. That's, that's the argument that it's a flywheel. That, you know, a flywheel has a certain momentum. Once you get it going, the momentum of the flywheel just keeps it going. Hmm. Uh, you don't have to have so many inputs to it anymore. And we think, uh, at least we think, that Netflix has a massive flywheel that they get more subscribers because they have better programming. Because they have more subscribers, they get better programming. It just feeds itself around and around and around. Um, now, what makes this really interesting is that Bill Ackman, who's one of my favorite investors to pay attention to and who's managing $10 billion, bought into Netflix at $350 a share and just exited at about $240 and took a $400 million loss hmm. because he said, in his view, with his time frame, the future of Netflix is no longer predictable. Right? Yeah. So, I mean, that's so why would he say that, right? Well, okay, go ahead. <laughs> okay. <clears throat> so why would he say that? Well, the first clue to why Bill might say that is in the words, in his time frame. You have to remember when you're watching these gurus that <clears throat> many, of them, many of them have a time frame that is vastly shorter than anything you or I have because we're not beholden to a bunch of investors who are insisting that they see returns on, uh, it may be in Ackman's case, not a quarterly basis, but certainly on an annual basis. And so he's charging 2% fees and 20% of profit, and he's gonna get those 2% fees whether his 10 billion is going up or not. I mean, think about that for a second. He's charging 2% of $10 billion a year. What is that, by the way? Right, 20% I mean, of 10 billion would be 2 billion. And so he's getting, 200 million a year from just fees, whether he does well or not. And you can understand the pressure that that would put on a fund manager to perform on at least an annual basis. Because if he doesn't, people are not going to pay him $200 million. All right. So maybe <clears throat> I think that's a big assumption when it comes to Bill Ackman. Well, it's what he said. No, he didn't. He said in his time frame, you're making yeah, the assumption in his time frame. Well, what his time frame is, is, is he, he basically said, I just don't have enough time for this to work out. I think it will work itself out. Reed Hastings is a brilliant CEO, <clears throat> but Yeah, but it might frame. be 10 years. <clears throat> and maybe that is outside of, outside of what he wants to stick around for. I don't think he's worried about how to work out being that far out there. I think he's concerned that it might take two years or three years. Well, the point right. is we don't know what he's concerned about, no. what time frame he's working in. Well, okay, so what's the enough. other part of the... So that's that's huge, though, because for me, three years, I'm fine with. I'm totally fine with it. If this thing gets itself back together in three years, I'm in great shape. So that's really the whole argument. And it's usually the whole argument when it comes to fund managers and, and people you're watching is the first thing you want to look at is whether they have pressure to perform on at least an annual basis. And if they do, then they are going to exit when there's an uncertainty factor here that's gonna last longer than a year. So this is, in my view, a classic case 
of a company that is almost certainly to be larger, almost certain to be larger in 10 years, almost for sure, as, as you know, as best we can, we can see in the well, world. Well, I think the argument against Netflix, and I think the reason so many people have sold, is that it doesn't have a moat. I think that's the argument against. It does not have a moat. Anybody can stop their subscription. We don't even have, you know, you're not even locked in for six months. It's a month-to-month subscription. Stop it whenever you want. They come out with something interesting you want to watch, you sign up again. And in the meantime, watch any of the other 20 streaming services. Well, that doesn't mean they don't have a moat, Daniel. I mean, that's Maybe. like saying you can stop drinking Coca-Cola anytime you want and try Pepsi. Or you can go get a monster. Or you can, I mean, sure, people can stop stuff all the time. Yeah. It doesn't mean they don't have a moat. So the question is how many, well, it depends on what percentage and how many people it is. If everybody in the world stopped drinking Coca-Cola, Coca-Cola would not have a moat anymore. That's like saying if they attack the castle and take it, that they didn't have a moat. It's like the fact is they do have a moat, and so they can't attack the castle. That's the whole point of a moat. Okay, then explain this to me the way you're thinking about Because here's the way people are looking at a streaming service. Mm -hmm. You can stop any time, stop paying the money. In the meantime, Netflix has to keep producing new content Mm -hmm. and has to keep pouring money out the door in order to get people to come back or to get new subscribers. So the, the fear is that that ratio is going to go wrong for Netflix and people won't come back in enough uh, percentage wise to make up for the amount that Netflix has that Netflix has spent in order to get them. Okay, so let me reiterate the flywheel. I mean, you just heard me go through why they have a moat because they have a flywheel because you're saying people will come back. I'm saying that they're going to they produce the best programming. And they produce the best programming because they have the most money. They have the most money and the most profit margins because they have the most subscribers. And it's a flywheel. It's like the subscribers, they haven't, by the way, they didn't lose subscribers. They had to cut off six or seven hundred, what is it, six six or seven hundred thousand, I guess, out of Russia because of the Ukraine war. They just shut it off. And otherwise, they did grow their subscribers. Hmm. It didn't grow as fast as they thought they would, but they grew it. So had they not had to shut off Russia, they were still a positive growth. And as it was, they only didn't grow by a couple hundred thousand. It wasn't very big. Hmm. Um, so, yeah, I think the the That's whole... That's actually a really big piece of information. Yeah, it's pretty substantial. So it's not so much, I mean, like the headline is post-pandemic, people aren't watching as much TV. Cutting right, down which on we, we paying already for knew stuff because we're all strapped for cash. Yeah. Yeah. Families have a lot going on. Let Ollie help manage the mental load with new cognitive health supplements for everyone four and up, like delicious Lolly Focus Pops or Lolly Mellow Pops for kids. And for parents, try three new Brainy Chews to help you focus, chill out, or get energized. Find these cognitive health buddies for the whole fam at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. That's the headline, but we all knew that was coming. I mean, Reed Hastings has been talking about that for two years. It's like we're, 
we're pushing subscribers into Netflix far faster than we ever would have expected because of the pandemic. So we would expect our growth rates to slow when we come out of the pandemic. And that's exactly what has happened. Um, so I don't, we don't see a big problem there, number one. Number two, we also knew from Reed that the, the um, growth rate in North America is, is very flat. Like most people are in there who are in there, who are going to be in there. Um, but that's not the case in the rest of the world. Mm. Okay. Now, China has its own thing going, right? Whatever that is, we, Weibo or something. I forget what it is. But they've got their own version of this. But they don't go outside China. It doesn't, right? They're just blocking off China because they don't yeah, want other yeah. kinds of programming in a totalitarian environment. But the rest of the world's still out there. And Netflix has the, the, the lead advantage for the rest of the world that they had for the U.S. when they first got going. They have something like a seven-year lead on data about the rest of the world. And they're the only company that's producing successful programming in the language and the culture of countries around the world. Um, they're very, very effective at it. And as a result, and by the way, that's the result of another piece of their moat, which is their um, artificial intelligence machine that is analyzing this massive pile of subscription data to find what kinds of things people really do watch, what they really watch. Not what they say they watch in a survey, but what they actually watch. Mm -hmm. And that has resulted in things like the Squid Game, which nobody would buy from any of the other streaming services. And then Netflix said, wow, we've got customers for this and bought it and it's a massive home run. And um, they have that capability that other companies don't have. And if if they can continue to develop international programming at the rate that they're doing right now, that's where all the growth is. And their subscriber yeah, base will really continue to point. grow. I think that's a really good point. There's not a lot of international programming, but there's more than others. Yeah, that's a fair point. And by the way, Disney has no expertise in programming for Japan, right? <laughs> I mean, yeah. Disney makes... North oh, American kids on stuff. Netflix in Japan. I would be remiss to not mention that I've heard that Love Is Blind Japan is fantastic. I haven't watched <laughs> it yet, but well, that'll be something when you get Netflix program that are... is only able to watch the most inane of shows these days. <laughs> Love Is Blind is fantastic. Oh dear Lord! Okay, I don't even want to know what that is. Oh, it's so, a great reality show, Dad. It's oh, really no high quality. Really something. <laughs> I can tell by your laugh. It is a little edgy. All right. So um, little, So here's yeah, the thing. There's a lot know. of moat there. There's a lot of moat there, number one. Number two, um, there's a price to buy Netflix at, which we identified. That's what I was about to say. I think it's, at the right price, this is an insanely strong company. Yes. At an at overpriced right price. price. Yeah. This is terrifying because there yeah. is so much competition coming that hasn't even happened yet. Yeah. Well, we think we think they've always been in a competitive environment. We think they're the best in the in the group and we think they have by far the best CEO. Um, other people have got mercenaries for CEOs, not founders, and that's a big difference. So I would we're really never, happy with Reed Hastings. Ever count out Reed Hastings. No, he's like phenomenal. anybody who destroyed Blockbuster. Yeah. Almost like it wasn't even hard. <laughs> yeah. 
Oh, and by the way, there's one more really interesting fact about Netflix that other companies don't seem to have the same level of problem. And that is they have 220 million subscribers and they have another 100 million users who have stolen Netflix by getting login data from their friends. 100 million. In other words, one third of the people watching Netflix aren't paying for it right now. And Netflix is working out a couple of ways. They're pra- they're trying stuff out in well, Chile right now. Well, they're not right stealing now. it. You can pay for an account that has multiple screens. And then you just yeah. share it. Yeah. Well, it's supposed to be in a household. So yeah, the, and that's, that's household. your contract household is household. <laughs> so Hastings, they're going after it. In other words, they're trying out something in Chile to see what happens. A couple of the possibilities are they'll just make two, you know, two factor authentication, and which is what Amazon does. And oh. you can't cheat anymore. And uh, and the, but they're not they're trying something else out in Chile. They're trying adding three dollars, the equivalent of three dollars, whatever that is, to the fifteen dollars. Chile's cheaper, but you get the idea. They would take you from 15 to 18 in North America and you could have people cheat or people use it who are in your family who are not in your direct household. They're in a different place. And that's what I have. That. Maybe it's not in the U.S. I, I figured it was. That's what I have. Hmm. Well, I don't know. Maybe they got it out there. But anyway, they're they're searching for a way to start monetizing that hundred million and they will find it. And when they do, yeah, you're going to see a that's big That's the kind bump. of stuff that, I mean, we'll see what happens, but it's the kind of stuff that really turns people off. What, it having makes, to pay for something? Yeah, to go from, <laughs> yeah, because then you go, okay, then I'm not going to pay for it. Right, and then you realize, oh, crap, I'm not getting to watch these shows. Maybe. No, or I think I'm that, 13 that the whole game, and it's I like, watch YouTube, you know? Well, Yeah. So but you're not paying anyway. So you're 13 and you're not paying $15. I, I don't think here, here's the, the value proposition. You can pay 80 or $90 for minimum basic television, or you can pay $15 for Netflix. In fact, you can pay 15 for Netflix, seven for Disney, watch Amazon on a ad type channel and pay nothing for them. In other words, the value proposition being presented by a streaming service, massively cheap stuff. Yeah, but here's what I'm trying to tell you. Okay, tell me. That value proposition is no longer feeling like a value proposition because there are so many streaming services that if you want to watch the shows you want to watch, you now have to subscribe to four or five of them, let's say, Mm -hmm. plus your sports. So it can. It turns out that Netflix Netflix isn't the one you don't do. Let me say it again. Netflix is not the one you drop. I don't know. No, that's the fact, right? I mean, obviously some people do, but in general, Netflix is not the one you drop. They have the lowest churn rate of any of these guys by far. So if if you want a statistic that's really important, look at that one, the drop rate of Netflix versus anybody else. And they're like less than half. So I hear um, you on that. Yeah. So I think there's a lot of, obviously, obviously an investing. I'm trying to like be the voice of, Netflix is really easy to drop, and a lot of people are talking about dropping it and yeah. now are dropping it. Yeah, we'll see if they stay dropping it. Yeah, I mean, they may not, and it'll. I think it'll depend entirely on what is this content that Netflix is putting out and yep. how exciting is it that I'm going to go and pay my $12.95. But hasn't so that always been the it? case? Hasn't that always been the case? That's always been the case. Exactly. 
So in a way, it's like we're almost going back to the days of the networks where it's like, you know, ABC was king for a long time and then NBC came in and became king for a long time and then it went back to ABC. And in this situation, people show which one they're watching by canceling instead of just changing the channel. Well, I think that um, you're you're making an interesting comparison here, and and let's let's say that it's it's a good comparison. It's a good comparison between the three channels, right? ABC, NBC, CBS. Mm-hmm. That when I was a kid, that was what you had. Those mm-hmm. were the three channels, mm-hmm. and anybody else that tried to come in there struggled. And the reason anybody else came in there to, and had to struggle is the same reason it's so hard to compete against Netflix, and that is you don't have the money. You don't have the money. And the reason you don't have the money is because you don't have the subscribers. Or On free TV, you don't have the people watching the ads. Mm-hmm. Right? And so you don't get the revenue, which means you don't get the programming. Yeah, you can come up with something once in a while, but it's not enough to sustain you, right? Paramount Plus gets uh, Yellowstone in 1883. But what else do they have? As soon as those are over, we all shut it off. Exactly. That's it. But that's, that's not I'm the case with Netflix. That is not the case with Netflix. Netflix I think it might be has the case massive with Netflix. depth of programming. Massive. Does it? Yeah, it really does. I mean, you start looking around for something to watch, and Netflix has tons of shows I haven't gotten around to watching yet. <laughs> and that library of shows gets deeper every year that they own, that they own, that they've already written off, that they've already paid for. And that means down the road, more and more free cash flow, more and more profitability. Meanwhile, Disney hasn't gotten there yet. Apple hasn't gotten there yet. Amazon hasn't gotten there yet. And the rest of these guys are so small, they're going to fade. And you're seeing that already with HBO Plus. To survive, these guys have been around a long time. And to survive, they've got to merge with with Discovery. Yeah, they've never and done that well. Yeah. Even then, right? So ultimately, you're right. It's like the three channels and it's right about content. Who has the best news show back in those days? Right. Right. Um, But if you've got double the subscribers paying double the money, that's 4x the dollars. You can spend more money than anybody on programming and you get the best people. And that's the flywheel. And if I'm wrong about that, then, yeah, then Netflix will fade. But I don't think I'm wrong about that. Well, and then where my mind goes is what kind of company is this? Who's running it? What kind of choices are they going to make to revive it? And that's, to me, the strength of Netflix. It has the best people. It has a fantastic CEO. They've been just surrounding themselves, hiring the best for years and years and years and years. That's where I think Netflix could really shine is how are they going to um, adjust and change to this, definitely what is a changing environment. One thing they've done already that I've been noticing just on my own account is they've started to remove series, remove shows. So if you want to watch something, you got to watch it while it's there because it's going to be gone. And Mm -hmm. by doing that, they're making you stick with your monthly subscription so that you can see what what are they going to replace that show with? What new things do they have? Or I wanted to watch that thing, so I have to watch it now. I can't wait and watch it in two months. Sure. And I think that's really smart, and it's where a lot of the streaming services are going to start going. I think the up. first time they're kind of advertising that, they've always 
done that uh, all the way through the past because uh, a number of the shows that they put on are leased for an average of about four yeah, years. Yeah, but they were forced, in, you know, like that was, yeah, and everybody but knew that now they're that really they putting it out there. That. Yeah, they're putting it this out is there. A, this is for marketing. <laughs> <laughs> this is their choice. <laughs> also, the idea that they've got to turn it around, I think is, is mistaken. Um, they knew that they would suffer a growth rate of subscriptions problem following the pandemic. For sure. Because it exploded upwards and a lot of people who would have subscribed down the road subscribe now. Yeah. And so that took out a chunk. And um, so I, they didn't think they had a problem going in, but they're responding to the way the, the market is revaluing or repricing the stock pretty aggressively. And they're going to they're gonna go after fixing, quote, fixing it, getting their growth rate back up there pretty quickly. And remember, the, the growth rate is extremely important when you're looking at valuing a business. And mm-hmm. that's why so many people bailed out of this thing is because they valued this at a massive growth rate along with uh, interest rates at zero. Mm. And now we're going slower growth with interest rates going straight up. Mm, And the combination is a revaluation or a repricing of all these companies. We don't do it like that. At Rule One Investing and and the way Buffett and Munger look at companies, we look at it kind of looking through all the, you know, the fast growth and everything and just try to see what's the long-term view of this business. So we've never had a huge growth rate put on this thing. Now, that being said, the difference between valuing a business when you say that the growth rate's going to... See, it's been growing at well over 28, 28 to 50% of years, Netflix's growth rate. Huge, right? So if you say, okay, let's go long-term at 20%, and using our methodology, you'll end up with a 40 price-earnings ratio. You you end up with, um, let's say, $2,000 a share or something down the road in 10 years. Okay. Now you move that growth rate to 15%, you get a 30 PE, and you find that instead of getting um, three doubles over a 10-year period, you get two, right? So you end up with a business that is substantially cheaper mm-hmm. uh, sticker price than, than just a little bit difference of growth rate. You go from 15 to 20, you go from 30 to a 40 PE, you've got a much, much higher priced business down the road than you do at without going to that extra number and mm-hmm. and so it's i guess bottom line we come right back to where we started and that is that Netflix repricing itself is a fabulous opportunity if you can get comfortable with the moat of the business if you understand the business and get comfortable with the moat like Danielle and I were just batting back and forth then it might be possible for you to come up with a valuation of Netflix, which says, which would say that something in this price range might be one of the great bargains of your lifetime. It, it's for you. Impossible. Is this an event? Does this qualify as an event? Oh yeah. Why does it event. qualify as an event? Because it creates uncertainty. That's, that's the essence of an event is it creates fear hmm. and really another name for fear is uncertainty. So what it's creating is uncertainty among analysts and among investors like Bill Ackman uh, for a longer period of time than they're comfortable. I don't think any of them would argue that Netflix is going to be gone in 10 years. That, that's no way. But they would say, I, I have to produce a high rate of return for short periods of time over and over and over again. 
and my limit is about a year out. And if I know this company is going to stay uncertain for the market, uh, for the analysts out there for more than a year, then I have to exit. And we see that in events all the time. We see that that's the essence of an event is uncertainty and fear rise to a level due to the amount of time that it's going to take for this thing to resolve itself. So for example, Chipotle has E. coli and the level of fear lasted three years. For an, several E. coli incidents that happened in 2015 and didn't repeat themselves, the level of fear lasted three years. And yeah. man, nobody would buy that stock when we were buying it because their time frame, their, their time frame for comfort is shorter than that by a lot. They, Am our I experience is they need about a year. Ackman owned Chipotle. He did. He That's, stepped I into Chipotle. I thought he was one of the major famous large investors yep. who bought that yep. company, and he waited. He did. He bought so it. I'm struggling uh, with after this idea that, that he is out because of the time frame. I, I think. That's oh, I think I think that simple. actually I think that Bill thought that the time frame for E. coli was a year from the time he bought it and it should have been <laughs> but but what happened was that the press is so stupid sometimes and about a year after Ackman bought this thing when the stock was starting to come back the stock went he bought it at 400 and Chipotle went up to 520 so it was coming back and then, and then front page again. news no it didn't it was norovirus that oh, happened again oh that's right yeah yeah and norovirus happens in restaurants all over the place. It's just, it's called the, the cruise ship uh, flu or whatever. Essentially, it's somebody could walk in with it and put their hand on a doorknob and then you put your hand on the doorknob and then you get it. So nothing to do with E. coli poisoning from food service, food prep. So it had nothing to do with Chipotle. It's just absolutely random. And it happens in restaurants all the time, but the press picked it up and ran it when meanwhile mcdonald's had that same thing happening in five stores around the united states because there's a website where you can go and look for this stuff <laughs> i went and looked for it i've seen mcdonald's burger king they're all in there and here's chipotle front page news and the stock crashed to 280 and this is how short-sighted most institutional fund managers are ackman even didn't buy more he sat there at 400 watching this thing go to 280 and did not increase his position when obviously he should have on hindsight. And we were fortunate to be buying it much lower than Bill and increasing our position as it went down into 280. Um, so that's just the, the ability to look farther out than, than most fund managers can. And Ackman's pretty unique, right? I mean, he, he was the only one in Chipotle um, he's the only one in the Netflix like that. So um, he's got pretty far sight, but it's not forever. Yeah. And it's certainly much shorter than what we have. Yeah. Uh, that is the ability to sit in an investment that goes nowhere or down for three years is almost unheard of among fund managers. Well, it's a really almost interesting unheard. one. It's a really interesting company. It's a really interesting situation. That, uh, yeah, it's investors. a fun one for you guys to look at. Yeah, it, it, yeah. Obviously, I'm pitching you the the bull case here. The, the hey, we're we're gung ho on this. 
Um, but I haven't told you whether we own it or not. I haven't told you whether we're selling it or buying it or anything. I'm telling you that there's there's a case to be made here. And Danielle was pushing back on that and making good points. Uh, and there are obviously a lot of people who think there's a case to be made to exit, including one of the best investors in the world. So, so um, I have an idea. Some fun for you to look at there. We've got, uh, let me preface this idea for a second. We, the investing world, have the Berkshire Hathaway shareholder meeting next weekend, guys, as in this coming weekend, so which it's normally it. the first Saturday in May. So I was a little thrown off that it is this year, the last Saturday in April, April 30th. So it's a week earlier than usual. I don't know why, maybe because of Mother's Day. So um, put that on your calendar because it's earlier. Well, they really messed me up because that week earlier is Hi guys, always the week of the if you enjoyed this episode uh, and you want Rolex slash Land Rover five star event that we have had horses compete in and we go right to there. and spots are definitely it's like that's our annual event, thing and then we go to Berkshire is the idea Very we'll go watch Warren. So, so I'm going to have to watch on this Warren podcast, by the way, is either my somehow opinion, Danielle's opinion on, I don't really know, I might, I might just have to be taken as investing advice because I am not your financial advisor, nor have I considered your personal situation as your fiduciary. So remember that you're on your own here. This podcast is for your entertainment and education only. And I really hope you enjoyed it. The episode immediately afterwards. So we'll discuss, Dad. Okay, and then, we we, we'll, we'll do that. And then we my proposal is that if you guys have ideas about Netflix, and I know a lot of people have ideas and opinions about Netflix, and many of them are very, very useful and intelligent to hear a lot of different ideas. If you want to email us at questions at investedpodcast.com, it would be fun to read off a few of your uh, ideas yeah. and, and thoughts. Email them. I like the idea of you guys emailing them. We've, we've had you do some recordings and it's just too cumbersome to mess with. Honestly. I mean, I liked doing those too, but I think when it comes to something like this, like we can't really play some five minutes of, of somebody. So yeah, it's just this way I can... Uh, Short, Take short stuff, short emails. Yeah, yeah. So questions at investedpodcast.com. It will not be for the coming episode. It may not be for the episode after that, but... We might get all lost in Berkshire stuff. After the Berkshire discussion, we will come back to Netflix. And also in a couple of weeks, I guarantee there's going to be some evolution on this thing. So oh, that'll yeah. be interesting. And we can that'll talk be about an update then. Cool. All right. Cool plan. Till then, oh, you guys I wanted to say something today. else because kind of deep in the weeds today, by the way. Okay, but okay, good. Yeah, you didn't like that. No, I did. I thought it was. I great. liked it too. I would, very quickly. I looked up that quote that I mentioned last time. Comparison is the thief of joy. Because then I was really curious who actually said it, and it wow. turns out we don't know. There's wow. a really cool website. Take credit. Online. Take credit. <laughs> Take credit. <laughs> So the internet tends to attribute it to Teddy Roosevelt. There's no evidence that Teddy Roosevelt ever said it. That doesn't sound like Roosevelt. And then there's a number of other people who are said to have said it, but nobody can really find the source. So I mean, Roosevelt would be more like, comparison is the thief of you're shooting the buffalo off of a horse in Wyoming. There were a lot of very close quotes from a number of... 
various writers that yeah. nobody said. Actually. Anyway, so, guys... so it's funny how it like came out and people just glommed onto that one. And that's that's now what it is. So I wanted to follow up on that. I'm trying to do a Very better good. job of following up. Comparison is the thief of joy, Danielle Town. Right. Yeah. Time to go play. See ya. Put that into Google. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Bye. everybody. Berkshire next week. Bye. Hi, guys. Thanks for listening to Invested. If you enjoyed this episode and you want more information or to listen to additional episodes, visit our website at investedpodcast.com and sign up for my virtual workshop right there. Spots are definitely limited for this event. I'm not kidding. They really are. They sell out very quickly. So everything discussed on this podcast, by the way, is either my opinion or it's Danielle's opinion. And it's really important. It's not to be taken as investing advice because I am not your financial advisor nor have I considered your personal situation as your fiduciary. So remember that. You're on your own here. This podcast is for your entertainment and education only, and I really hope you enjoyed it.